0: didn't really read my Bible or pray much. I didn't really like going to church and I didn't take notice of what Jesus Christ did for me. I went to Gospel to Every Home with my parents and that night when I was going to sleep I thought about if any of the people we talked to would become a Christian. Then I realized I wasn't a Christian. So the next day I asked my parents what I could do to become a Christian and they talked to me about some of the things I needed to do to become one. I prayed every single night and asked God to help me become a Christian. Ever since then, I've been asking them questions on how to become a Christian and praying and asking God. This one night, I realized that it was me and my sins that put Jesus on the cross and his grace and mercy that he would forgive me. I felt so gui- guilty. I started crying and I prayed so much, thanking God for forgiving me. So I talked to my parents about it. Then about a month later, they thought I was ready to get baptized. So I talked to the pastor. I read my Bible and pray every night. I really enjoy going to church. I feel more open to praying in public and in front of new people. And I realize the miracles and amazing things Jesus did for me. Some important people in the process were my mom, my dad, my grandma, and my fourth grade
1: teacher.
2: I'm so
1: excited.
3: Second only to the bat- is that in my ears, or is it in and out in the house too? All right. <laughs> Second only to the event itself is the celebration of the church and a loud rejoicing. Would you stand to your feet? Let's encourage one another with this word from the Lord, from Philippians four, starting in verse four. We're going to read it out loud together. Rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your graciousness be known to everyone the Lord is near don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Let's grab a seat and the choir is going to reinforce this idea for us. into your Joy. day when sin and death will finally be done with. Amen. And we will rejoice at the feet of our Savior and sing how marvelous, how wonderful. Let's sing this together. I stand
4: amazed in the praise
2: or online, welcome to our guests. If you would, there is a little uh, card in front of you in the seat, right in front of you. It's our Connect card. If you would pull that out and fill that out, that'll let us know how we can connect with you. We'd love to get to know you, and that's one way we can do that. That'll let us know how we can be praying for you and serving you. Then after service, if you would exit through these central doors, if you turn left, you'll see our Next Steps desk. There you can turn that card in, meet someone who will be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and also give you a free gift. So welcome guests, we're so glad that you're here today. Well, it is October, and so we're just a few weeks away from our Trunk or Treat event. This is a really cool outreach to our neighbors, to our local families. And so if you would, if you could sign up to decorate your car... Your truck, your van, or as Sean said last week, your bulldozer, whatever vehicle you have, bring it and participate. Or if you can donate candy, that would be a huge help. That's coming up on October 30th and will be from four to six. Also, invite your friends, invite your neighbors to come. It's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, we're gonna transition now to a moment of prayer. As we do, I ask that we all prepare our hearts for our act of worship through giving later in the service. So please join me in prayer. Good morning, Father. Lord, we thank you so much for another opportunity to come before you and to worship. This morning, we lift up to you our core value of sacrificial giving. We thank you, Lord, that you have given to us so sacrificially. You've provided for every need that we have. You've given us breath today. You've given us our daily bread. You've given us amazing fellowship in this church family. You've given to us so selflessly through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving to us, for providing all of our needs. And we desire to respond by reflecting you, to be more and more sacrificial in our giving. Lord, we ask that you would allow everything that we have to be surrendered to you. All of our treasures and our talents and our time, we give them all as an offering to you. And we ask that you would use them for your glory and for your kingdom. We pray this morning for our brothers and sisters, our partners and ministry worshiping you today in London, England at Mosaic Multicultural Church. We thank you for this amazing church body led by pastor and church planter Alex Brito. Lord, this morning we pray specifically for their discovery Bible studies. Thank you for these opportunities that they're creating to engage with those around them who may be curious about you, God. And we pray that you would bear much... Fruit through these Bible studies, that you would be calling, calling hearts to yourself through these, that you would bless these meetings and draw people to know of your amazing love through these. Please bless Multicultural Church. Thank you for them. Lord, we lift up to you a few health concerns this morning. We, we pray for Milt Williamson, who recently fell and injured his hip and back. We pray for his surgery coming up tomorrow and ask that you would bring healing. Him. We also pray for Loretta in this time, and pray that you would be with them in this this time of healing. We also pray for Chuck Reinhardt with his recovering from surgery, also for Carol. Please be with them in this time of healing as well. And finally, Lord, we come to you with the greatest healing that we need of all. We need forgiveness of our sins. We we take this moment and we confess to you our sins. Please forgive us. Please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive us for sins of selfishness, of self-centeredness, and of unhealthy habits, of things that don't please you or make us more like you, Jesus. We pray that you would lead us to the cross. We thank you for the gift you've given to us in Jesus, that he died in our place so that we could be forgiven. And he rose again, breaking the power of death. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of forgiveness of sins and new life. We worship you, and we thank you for all you are for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Would you stand to your feet and let's rehearse and sing and encourage one another with the gospel story of what Jesus has done for us. Let's take comfort in that story this morning as we sing it.
4: One day when heaven was filled with his praises One day when sin This is mine.
3: all know the words apparently <laughs> and then, take a second and on the next song just click the very first line of the song of the next song pause for just one second <laughs> I haven't had one of those in a while so we're over we we're overdue guys thanks for singing and keeping your head on a swivel on that one Hopefully, from now on, we'll have the words on the screen for you. All right. Here <laughs>
5: One
1: Good morning. Welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. I am Pastor Sean and I am so glad that you are here as we worship the Lord and have him speak to us through his word. I don't know about you, but in that one song we were having the issue, I thought I was getting my eyesight tested the way that was up there. I'm so thankful for uh, Mark and all his team. You know, they go through this, everything works fine, and in five minutes everything can go just like that. But we know that Satan and his and his friends trying to thwart the praises of God's people. And uh, we don't let that happen. We have enough to worship about, amen? And we're thankful for how he leads us and and how we were able to, uh, y'all sing. Awesome this morning, by the way, god's people sings great uh, when you sing from the love of the Lord. Today we're going to continue in our series through Matthew chapter eight and chapter nine. and uh, honestly I can be I'll be honest with you I don't know if I can remember a time that I've ever even sat, heard, lo- listened, or thought. About the verses I've heard it that we're going to read today, kind of as an aside or maybe an maybe a a proof of something else. Uh, Today we're going to look at what the Lord has for us as we look. If you want to follow, sorry, that's uh, Matthew. Turn in your copy of God's Word or in your devices to Matthew chapter nine, verse fourteen, and you can use the pew Bible that's in front of you, and that's page 862. So 862. And we're going to be in verse 14, but we're continuing in this series and we're going to look at um, the miracle of gospel change, how, how Christ's very presence and coming, coming changed everything, how we look at salvation, how we look at changing into holiness and how we're going to be challenged to trust more and do less. Okay? So let's go down that path together. Uh, Verse 14 to verse 19. 17. Then John's disciples came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad when the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Heavenly Father, we come this morning seeking you. Lord, I I am totally dependent on you right now. And God, I know that we all are as we come to your word. God, we ask you that we come to the word knowing that there's truth in it for ourselves, for our life, for our family, and for our church. And Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning as I speak, that, Lord, you would, you would guide me to the things that you would want me to say, and that, Lord, that you would have me forget the things that you don't want me to say, and that, Lord, that all of it, by your grace, through your Spirit, would use for the betterment and encouragement and the walk of each of us here this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask you, because we know your Word is true and the Spirit resides in us, we ask you, Lord, to change our lives this morning, In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was in elementary school, and I don't remember which grade, but I know that part of my week was uh, earning a sticker for the day. If I was good, I was well-behaved, I was helpful in class, I got a sticker for the day. And, And if every day of the week I got a sticker, then the end of the week I got to go to the prize bag. Man, I was so excited because in there, there were stickers of Spider-Man and all sorts of different things. There were lollipops and and things that I could pick from and and I I looked forward to that. And man, the first part of the year, I was killing it. I was walking around with my Spider-Man sticker on Fridays and I was rocking it out and I was showing kids on my bus, look at my lollipop and and I I was so excited. But then the second half of the year, (sighs) I talked a little bit too much in the cafeteria. Maybe a little too loud, maybe a little more rambunctious, and I didn't get my sticker that day. Well, I had a couple good weeks, but then towards the end of the year, I started to realize it wasn't really that big a deal. Was I good? Did I still get stickers? Did I get lollipops? Sure, but it wasn't something that was on the forefront of my mind. I learned now looking back, that I was not concerned about actually being good. I was actually more concerned about getting something. I was more concerned about doing something so that I might receive something's good. And often, we often do this when we think about getting right with God and changing our life. We get so focused on doing something instead of receiving something you see the gospel message is not that we do something for God but that something has already been done for us Jesus has done the work of salvation for us he has accomplished the work of salvation through his death burial and resurrection and it is only by being on that road of salvation can we be saved but also can our lives be changed It is only through that that true life change can occur when we understand that the gospel is something we receive to change us, not something we do to get. But you know, humanity has flaws in their operating system, much like iOS does often. But it is innate to us in humanity that we know that we have a deadly bug that is within us that even lingers past our salvation. It is sin. And in that sin is a works-based understanding of salvation. That we want to earn it. We need to do something. There's something innate in us that, that we feel like to receive something good means that we have to work to get it that there's a religious works-based initiative in our heart that no matter how great and good we are, we feel like that we need to do something to get it. And this is dangerous because true salvation comes from believing the gospel, receiving the gospel, and lasting change cannot be accomplished in our life without a new life that comes from being born again see, often we find ourselves doing for the Lord with the wrong motives. And in our text, Jesus reveals that a religious or works-based view of salvation and life change cannot accomplish what the gospel does. Jesus is saying a religious or works-based understanding of salvation and life change cannot accomplish what the gospel does. Now, let's set our scene. Last week, we remember that Jesus came and called Matthew, that the Pharisees said, how dare this guy be around sinners? We see that that is Jesus' mission, is to seek and save the lost. And this season continues while at the banquet, some of John the, John the Baptist's disciples come and ask Jesus a question. They ask him, Jesus, Why do your disciples not fast like we do? Now, first I want to say, they were obviously pretty mad because it must have been fasting day and they saw the disciples eating. So they were a little, maybe a little jealous, what's going on here? Why are y'all eating and why are we not eating? We've kept our tongue, but now y'all are at this banquet. So what, what is going on, Jesus? But secondly, I believe, and I think because of Jesus' response is that he wasn't as harsh with them as he was with the Pharisees. They were truly asking, hey, Jesus, we've heard John the Baptist's message. We know someone greater than him is coming. We know that that you speak truth and you call us to repent, but we're confused. We're still following tradition and working, but you guys are not. What's going on? Well, this question Jesus responds in verse 15 Jesus said can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast Jesus responds teaching them and all who are listening that religious tradition was not necessary any longer because the kingdom was at hand He's here now. Jesus is come to set all things right. Now, when Jesus is speaking here about the fasting, Jesus is talking about a tradition that came through the Pharisees and Sadducees that on Tuesdays and Thursdays they would fast for piety and purity to in, encourage their walk, to to show that they're sacrificing for God. But what would happen is these Pharisees and Sadducees would then parade this around everybody else. They fast all day, and at the end, on the way to the synagogue, they're just, oh, I fasted all day. I'm so starving. Is Chick-fil-A still open? We need to hopefully... I'm so good, look at me and my religious works. They did it in a way that the point of fasting was not to connect to the Lord, but to get something from the Lord. To look like they were greater and better and parade themselves around to other people. Let Let me just be clear for a second. Jesus was not breaking the law. Jesus and his disciples were not disobeying they were, Jesus was sinless. He wasn't asking his followers to be sinful. As a matter of fact, the law actually only said you needed to fast on the Day of Atonement. This was an extra t- tradition that was added for religiosity to make people feel better about themselves. And secondly, Jesus is not saying don't fast. As a matter of fact, he talks about fasting. The whole New Testament talks that fasting is a a good spiritual discipline for Christians to go for an intense time of prayer, to call out for God. But what Jesus was against and reacting that many in that day saw fasting as a way to earn favor with God. So Jesus wanted them to see that today with me coming, today is a new day. Today, you have entered in a new day of redemptive history. You are no longer under the law. You are no longer under the old way. The Messiah has come, that he has come to reclaim his bride for all eternity. And here's this wonderful picture that he uses, that the bridegroom has come. See, they saw and thought as fasting is a time to mourn over sin, which is a a good thing, But Jesus is saying, the bridegroom is here. Be happy. I'm here. My disciples are going to actually mourn later when I go uh, uh, on the cross and die and go away. But now I want you to understand this. That as Christians, we see that we have our faith that the bridegroom has come to receive us for all eternity. You know, just, just this is an aside, here's a freebie section of the sermon today. The main reason why we as Christians see marriage as vital and understanding of the Bible is because we believe that marriage between one man and one woman is greater than procreation. It's greater than God saying, here is the best way for us to live for our life. All of those things are true. But even more so as Christians, we know that the picture of marriage, the bridegroom and the bride, is an overarching illustration of what will happen to us one day when our bridegroom, Jesus, takes all those who have trusted in him, his elect, his church, and unites with with them in all eternity, and we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb that is why marriage is so vital in our understanding and Jesus is telling them maybe uh, for them to be reminded even more clearly than when he said he's the son of man that the bridegroom is here rejoice Jesus pictures this and fittingly Jesus responds to the John's disciples in a way that John the Baptist had already done in John chapter 3 verse 28 he says you yourselves can this is John the Baptist speaking you yourselves can testify that i said i am not the messiah but i've been sent ahead of him he who has the bride is the groom but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice so this joy of mine is complete he must increase but I must decrease. Boy, this is a great, really, mission statement for all of us, isn't it? That he must increase and that we must decrease because with Jesus' presence and work through his death, burial, and resurrection, he has opened a new way, not a way of works, not a way of religion, but instead of receiving a free gift gift of grace through faith in him a new way a new life a new way to live so that sustained life change can happen and that true salvation can occur through faith in him how do we know that Ephesians 2 8 through 10 for you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves it's God's gift not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. See, brothers and sisters, it's receiving this gift of grace, this life change, this new life, then that we can enable us to be saved, but also enable us to live a victorious joy-filled holy honoring of God life and it only comes through receiving the gospel not by doing good things alone so if you're here today and you're struggling with sins of the flesh or particular growth area in your life tradition and doing things will not fix it for you I cannot give you a 10-step plan for that to turn around unless you have been born again by the Spirit, unless you have been changed by God and have a new life in Him. Friends, you may have come even from a strict religious background and you struggle with this. That early on, maybe you were taught, do these good things, do this way, keep this tradition, work out this way and all things will work out or avoid earthly things or avoid these things. These are not all bad recommendations but when it slides into legalism, you will only see God if you do this or you will only be a good Christian if you do this. It actually never changes any hearts. It's kind of like my friend their family was so committed to clean eating and lifestyle you know they were so I was in elementary school and they were they were the tofu and all that stuff before it was cool and they just lived that way they lived that lifestyle and uh, I just remember he'd open his um you know his he'd open his uh lunch box and I'd you know I'd be like huh I've never smelt anything like that before but they said it was good for him but that's what he he did but but here's the funny thing as strict as his parents were when he got to high school he was just into the little Debbie cakes and Snickers bars at the snack bar as I was the strict rules did not change his heart or his desires and this is reality that we have in Christ Our heart and desires will not change without being saved and changed by Him. Real change actually comes through heart change. And the change of life actually changes when you've received the grace that God has given you, that you can then live for Him. So here's just three observations from this that we can understand how the gospel brings change to our life. Kind of a couple of warnings and then hopefully some help at the end. Number one, if you're taking notes, the old way of religion is not sufficient the old way of religion is not sufficient if you were going on a journey and you found yourself on the wrong street or the wrong path I would would bet if you found yourself going the wrong way you would not say uh, hey I know what I need to do let me pull over here and change my oil if I do that everything is going to be fine that's not how you would fix it. If You're going down the wrong path. Most of us guys, we don't listen. We don't ask directions. I know that our wives will not lean over and say, hey, dear, we're on the wrong path. Would you please pull over and let's get some new tires? No, that won't change it. The only way, if you're going on the wrong road, is what? To get the right road, to be on the right path. To be on the right road in the same way for the gospel of jesus christ we can't superficially add things on to our life to get right with god or to change our heart and this superficial understanding of the gospel waters down what the true gospel does in our life when people are searching to get right with god they naturally say what can i do and tradition and works based religion is not sufficient for forgiveness of sin and salvation. And Jesus uses an analogy to help us see this. He uses kind of a, a, a home, a domestic analogy. Um, he talks about, in verse uh, 16, no one patches old clothes with an unshrunk patch. Wow, I mean, that just makes sense. If you've, you've had an old, this shirt is probably a year or so old. It's shrunk many times that it's been washed if I got a hole in the the elbow and I put a brand new piece of cloth in there and tried to patch it it might work for a minute but as soon as it went through a wash a few times it would shrink and pull away and probably make a bigger tear the reality is as the old way of law, workspace, work to earn God's favor, does not work any longer when Jesus came. Knowing the Jewish system of sacrifices, burnt offerings, and laws that were given by God, they were rightly given by God to set apart his people for his name. But however we saw, the continuous sacrifice that needed to be paid showed that the system wasn't fla- was flawed. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 10 observes, but in the sacrifice, there's a reminder of sins year after year, meaning you have to keep giving the sacrifice, right? And then in verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Jesus is saying, look, the old system cannot truly do everything it needs to do until he came not till a perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ was given for the sins of all humanity. It is in him dying once for sins of all mankind. A sinless man was given for sinless people so that all of of the sins of his people could be saved. You see, we must be reminded that the old way, workspace, trying to earn God's favor, is Insufficient. There was a young boy who had a tree house and one of the rungs that he used to get up to the tree house had pulled away. So he had observed how things were fixed around the house and he went in and got some glue. And he thought, well, I can fix this. I'm going to just put some glue on that thing and he tried to glue it up and stick it on there and hope that it would stay and of course, the first time that he tried to climb it, boom, it came down. Dad came home from, from work and told him and said, Son, you can do all you can, but it's never going to be fixed until it's nailed to that tree. Friends, we can try all we want, but until our sins have been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ, it can never be accomplished without the Lamb of God being nailed to the cross. Christ did not come to bring religion to this world because it already had enough. And unfortunately so many people look to religion and when we say that, works-based understanding, trying to earn God's favor, trying to do something, we, we see people who, who come and say, "Well, if I could just punch my clock of worship, if I could just come and show that I have a, a somewhat of a heart for God, everything's going to be work out all right. That's why we have a lot of what I call CEOs. Christmas and Easter only Christians. They feel like that they show up on Christmas Eve or Easter, that then they've kind of fulfilled their requirements as a Christian. Some people say that they uh, would be, uh, that they. Uh, hold membership to such and such church, especially when we're going to uh, gospel at every home and door to door and, and all of a sudden like we start going and there's like everybody is like the same member of this church. And I finally want to say to one of them, say, you know what? If all of y'all show up to church one Sunday, y'all going to have to meet over in Paul Brown Stadium because there's so many of you. You must have, what did you walk through the door one time and, and now you're a member? How did you get here? We get into a place where we think our understanding of the gospel is just do. But friends, that's inadequate. The only thing that can save is Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you're here today and you're on the wrong road, I cannot give you the 10-step plan to get back. You need to meet Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It is only by him that you can be saved, and it is only by him that you can receive a gift of grace that can change your life. So number one, we must see that the old way is insufficient. But number two is just as dangerous. Number two, mixing the new with the old brings disaster. It's dangerous when we mix gospel with a works-based understanding of religion. And Jesus says you can't do this because it gets disastrous. He uses a different analogy. He says no one puts new wine in old wineskins. They put new wine in new wine skins. Well, why is that? Well, it's just a little bit of understanding. I know that some of these, uh, you know, well, I'm not gonna say what I was just about to say. Uh, <laughs> let me move forward. Uh, in modern way of, uh, sorry, an old way of fermenting wine, that they would use organs of animals and they would sew them up They would put the wine in there and allow it to ferment. Now, it would take time. The gas would release. But that organ would expand, allowing for the gas to do what it was supposed to do. Now, what would happen over time? That skin would get brittle and old and hard. And so what Jesus is saying, you wouldn't put old wine skin and put new wine because once that process happened again, boom, it would burst and it would go out and you've wasted everything. The reality is Jesus is saying here, it's a warning that you can't just add the gospel into religion because it won't hold. You can't all add religion into the gospel or gospel into religion. We can't combine free grace and works-based religion like it's a combo at the store. Paul warns us of this, that Romans eleven six. Now, if by grace, then it's not works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. What is Paul warning us there? Is that grace is free. If you try to add something to it, then it's no longer free anymore. When During the month of September, Chick-fil-A gave a free chicken biscuit on Mondays. If I went to go get that free chicken biscuit, but I said, let me pay an extra $10 because y'all are such gracious people. Well, then it's not really free anymore. In the same way, when we try to earn or add to the grace or the free grace of the gospel, it's not grace anymore. It's working. In the same way, it's not grace if you're trying to earn or pay for your salvation. I've said this recently, often, if, you, uh, if someone asks you, if you're a Christian, you respond by saying, I'm working on it, then you don't really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mixing work and grace is a danger in your life because it, it actually alters the gospel in a dangerous way. If you receive the grace of Jesus, yet say, I need to do this to keep it, then here's where you have an issue on one side. One side, you're worried about assurance of salvation. If you're trying to mix the two, assurance is that I am assured that I will one day be in heaven with Jesus Christ. Well, if you mix works in this understanding, then you are always unaware or unsure if you're saved. You might stay up at night wondering if you've, done too much the day before to lose your salvation if you're over your lifetime you think that you're supposed to work to get to a place where where uh god saves you maybe if you you get yourself to the finish line and it's god's grace that puts you over the edge then you're always wondering well did i get close enough your whole life then becomes worked uh uh, wrapped around working to earn your salvation instead of receiving your salvation I had a kid in my youth group that every summer we went to youth camp, he got saved again. He just felt that everything that he had done wrong the year before had got him out of the reach of Jesus. And every year, I had to say, brother, when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing that can take you out of his hand. Because if you have received grace freely then Christ is the one who keeps you freely the opposite danger that happens is people who combine the gospel and good works are people who believe that they are good and that they don't need Jesus that they've equated the gospel with good works in a way that they're in some way inoculated to the free grace that saves them that they've put on the veneer of good works that supposedly good Christians do and that all the while they think they're saved while all they're doing is acting as if they're saved and they've never truly received the new birth that comes through Jesus Christ some people have been so inoculated that they have been that they just feel and know that they that they're going to be all right in the end because they're doing good enough So whether you try to combine works and Christianity together, either way, you're always worried about either not doing enough or overconfident in your works, and you're never really safe to begin with. It is dangerous when you combine the free grace of the gospel and works. Therefore, the only true answer, number three, is a new life in Christ. The only true answer is a new life in Christ. Jesus uses this illustration as the groom as showing that it is the groom that receives the bride it is the groom who comes after the groom who pursues the groom who comes and powerfully saves it is the groom and as just as powerfully as he said the son of man he is showing that he is the one that makes the miracle of salvation and ongoing life change happen through his good works The old sacrificial system cannot contain the overwhelming power that the new covenant has with Jesus Christ. Therefore, the challenge for us is to not legalistically or religiously try to earn God's favor, but instead receive the free gift of grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus says to Nicodemus? There's only one way to be saved. He says in John 3.3, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Brothers and sister, we must repent. We must believe. We must be born again. It is in that power within us that we are changed, that we have new life in the gospel. It is his work that saves us. It is in his work in us that continues to make us a new person. And if you want true, lasting change, then then you need to be the new person that comes through grace in Jesus Christ. Paul Tripp uses a great illustration. He uses an agricultural illustration to say, let's just assume you want an orange tree in your backyard. What do you need to have? An orange tree. You can't go back to your oak in your backyard and staple or duct tape oranges to that tree and say, oh look, we've got an orange tree in the backyard. Why? Because whether it looks like you've got oranges there, it's not lasting. After about a week, ago, a week goes by, they're going to get sour, they're going to fall off the tree, they're not going to be good, and they're not going to grow anymore. So a superficial changing is not something that happens Instead, we need the fruit. We need the life. We need the change that comes from the power of the Spirit within us. And it comes from us accepting the free gift of grace that is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 gives us this promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Therefore, brother and sister, if you want true, lasting change, you must receive the change that comes through Jesus Christ. If you want to step away from sin, if you want to live a life of joy, then you need to be empowered by the same one who saves you. Charles Spurgeon observed, Saving faith is an immediate relation to Christ, accepting, receiving, resting upon him alone for justification which means salvation, sanctification, which means growing in holiness, and eternal life by virtue of God's grace. Friends, if you're struggling with your life, with a a time of sinful desires, sinful wants, that you want to be acceptable to God, well, first you must receive the gift of grace, and then allow the gift of grace to change you. Friends, you can use your burnt offerings to the Lord of your time, your money, your prayers, your volunteer hours, your good grades, your kindness to neighbors, but none of that will hold in the end. You need the gift of Jesus who did the work for us. Therefore, all those things that we want to do can be done rightfully, once we're born again, out of thanksgiving, once we are saved by grace, then we live by grace, wanting to show God how we love him and are accepted of him. We are thankful that he saved us so we spend our time on others. We are thankful for all the sin he has covered by his blood so we give our money. We are thankful that he took our place so we pray regularly to him. We are thankful that he gave much to us so that we can give to others. In all these things, it is a result of our salvation, not the way to salvation. So, how do we guard ourselves from falling into a legalistic pattern? How do we not turn our praying and giving and fasting? Well, I encourage you to look at your motive. Ask your question. Am I doing this in order to please people or to get closer to God? Are you praying? Are you going to church? Are you giving so that others might think more of you? Or are you doing it to get closer to him? Are you doing this to make yourself feel good about yourself or to get closer to God? Are you giving of your time to help someone so that you feel good about the mistakes you've made? Or are you doing it because you want to exalt the name of Jesus Christ? Friends, let's be reminded, if we want true and lasting change, then our minds and our motives and our hearts need to be changed and it only can happen through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let us be reminded that Jesus came not to reform but to transform that he didn't come just so that we might have a better way but he gave us a new way and the only way forward for us is not to trust in ourselves but to trust in the work of Jesus who will give us life forever let us pray Heavenly Father, thank you for the new life and the new way that you have given through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we not be seduced, confused, or distracted by the ways of working to earn our salvation or even to sustain our salvation because we know that it will not be lasting change. Instead, God, help us look to you and the new life and the new gift that we receive through trusting in your son jesus christ heavenly father we pray this morning that you would reach out to someone here or online who does not know you and today would be the day of their salvation that today they would trust by faith in you and your work on the cross that they would quit trying and working and achieving but instead receive the gift of grace that was won by your son, Jesus Christ. And those who are my brothers and sisters who are struggling for lasting change, I pray, Lord, that they would get to the end of themselves and trust in you. Realize that there's nothing more they can do except for trust in the grace and the power of the Spirit that's in them. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: I and mean, let's uh, stand together, and as we sing, let's uh, place Christ at the center of our lives as, uh, as he's worthy of being done. Let's, let's sing this together.
4: Jesus at the same to run it all.
1: Before we go to our time of, of offering, if you want to prepare for offering. We encourage you to do so now. A couple quick things: Gospel at every home today at four o'clock. We'd love to have you. Four to six, we go around to our neighborhoods. We're about, would you say, quarter of the way through? Zip code? How long are we part? Through? Uh, we're, yeah, we're about a quarter of the way through. Quarter of the way through. Four one zero four eight zip code. So we hope that you can join us. The more groups we have, the quicker we can reach all of it so we hope that you'll join us and so we strongly encourage you maybe for some of you women to come because when you see somebody that looks like me and another guy you're kind of like you're a woman at the door, hey, what's going on there? But having a lady with us softens things up a little bit, and you're much better to look at. So, uh, come to Gospel to Every Home, and uh, uh, join us as we take the Gospel uh, to the 418048 area code. As Brother Alan told us earlier, trunk or treat, make sure you leave today and sign up for a trunk or treat that you will decorate a car. If you need help decorating, let us know, but just, uh, uh in, Here's my here's my spiel every, every year. Y'all know my secret, right? I've told you. Maybe you remember. This is how I decorate my trunk. Everything that's on my porch goes in my trunk. The porch decorations just go become my trunk decorations. If there's a pumpkin, that goes in there. If it's a corn stalk, that goes in there. I'm not creative. You don't have to be creative. Uh, you can put a bed sheet over it and say... Uh, This is a Casper. I don't know. You can put whatever you want. It does not matter It's just the fact that you're standing there handing out candy and every kid thinks that's the most awesome thing ever So we hope that you will do that help us out do a trunk or treat on it's actually October 30th this year So we hope that you will help us do it Um, And then uh, there's a senior potluck on October 8th So we hope that you will uh, sign up and be part of that Uh, Also, the elementary kids will be singing on the same October 30th, so they're learning a song in kids' worship. If you'd like to know more about that, see Christy so that they can participate in that. We look forward to them being a part of our worship that Sunday. And then finally, in your bulletin is a prayer and nomination guide for pastors and deacons. Uh, So we encourage you to read through this over the next two weeks. It helps you To think through who am I going to nominate as a deacon. Uh, Some are suggested in there, some for deacons, or this person's rotated off, so you can't ask this person or nominate this person. So some of that. But also, this is the first time we'll be nominating pastors. Uh, So when we go to our plurality of pastors, and so there's a whole page to think about who might you be seeing within our congregation that could fulfill that role. So we want you to be praying about that. In two weeks, we'll be having the nominations for deacons and pastors. So take this home, read over it, pray over it, and see who you might be nominating uh, for those two very important roles. Uh, now is an opportunity, as we have worshipped through singing and through prayer, to give. Uh, our uh, offering is so important. Your giving is, and uh, is so vital to us, but it's vital to the kingdom. Right now, we have disaster relief teams through Southern Baptist churches who are on the ground in Florida and along the coast who are helping people recover from uh, from Hurricane uh, Ian. And so we hope that your, you see your faithful giving also helps even in crisis situations like this. You have people on the ground. Do you know that Southern Baptist Disaster Relief is the third largest disaster relief organization in the country? They cannot do what they do without Southern Baptists coming, feeding, working, and and providing help. So your faithful giving supports ministry like disaster relief. So we hope that you'll support as we give of our tithes and offerings now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for uh, the opportunity to give and how you give us this wonderful uh, opportunity to show how much we love you, how much we have received from you in grace. Now we give back in just a portion through uh, giving of our finances. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, we, you would bless this gift and this offering uh, to further your kingdom, to supri- so, uh, supply relief to even the ends of the earth, and to, and to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: That your will be done so that Thanks for getting working with us today.